and you guys may be seated. So we're in a series called Romans Road Construction, and we're taking a look at perhaps, as, as Ron said, one of the most influential books in Christianity, one of the most influential biblical books, one that many have, have come to and seen it as deep and profound and confusing and intimidating, and what we're trying to do is do our best to do a little construction on it. So we began the first week looking at the Romans Road, which were several verses in the book of Romans that led people towards a relationship to Jesus Christ. The week after that, we looked at the prologue, the, the first 17 verses in chapter 1. And we camped out mainly on, cha- on, on verses 16 and 17, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. He's saved through faith. And faith alone. That's truly a good news. Two weeks ago we looked at sin. And it was what I called a, a look at uh, some sandwich board theology. That week I was very direct. I said, God does not like sin and sin will be judged. But according to the book of Romans, Jesus takes that judgment for us. If you remember and... Uh, we're here two weeks ago. I spray painted a little bit on the two signs that I had made, just kind of illustrating the fact that Jesus takes the judgment for us. Now, if you are really good, you might be able to smell just a little bit of leftover remnants of that spray paint. Last week, we had the kids, and we camped out in Romans chapter 12, where we realized we can offer our bodies, our, our church body, as a living and holy sacrifice to God. They helped us see that with the gifts that God has given us, and Paul listed seven of them, when we live into those, true greatness can happen. Now this week, as as Ron has already prefaced us with, we're talking about salvation. Salvation found in the book of Romans. Just listen to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, in fact, it says, the message is very clear. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. A couple of verses later, Paul says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, the sweet sound of salvation. Amen? Amen. If you remember, in week two, I told you that when Paul writes about salvation, he may be writing about the things we think about so often. When we think about salvation, we're thinking about clouds and, and harps and, and everything gold and, and, you know, stuff like that. But when Paul talks about it, I'm pretty sure that's not the mental picture he got. When he writes about salvation, he's talking about God restoring things, creation, humanity, all things back to what they were meant to be. God had created a world one way, but sin came along and changed the way the world was living. Restoring things, restoring relationships, salvation. Let me illustrate with a story. I want to introduce you to or tell you the story of Clemmie and Francis. 
These were two young women back in the, the mid-1900s who were trying to figure out what it meant to be mothers in the Fresno farming industry. Now, one day they went out to their mailboxes, their respective mailboxes, which happened to be right next to each other, and on that day, they met. And life was never the same for them again. They became the best of friends. They laughed together, talked together, cried together. They took walks in the fields together after the hot Fresno sun had, had lowered and the cool breeze blew over the vineyards. Clemmy and Francis were by each other's sides as they had more children. They were by each other's sides as Clemmy buried two of those children, one to a freak accident with a fire and the other to cancer. They celebrated birthdays and anniversaries, and most holidays were spent at each other's houses. Even their husbands became good friends, and they spent many an afternoon out in the fishing boat fishing together. Clemmy and Francis were the epitome of what we would call BFFs, best friends forever. Now, were there ups and downs in that relationship? Sure, most likely, but both knew that neither would ever leave the other person's side. From the time they first met at that mailbox until Clemmy stood at the side of Frances's grave and watched her lowered into the ground grieving because part of her was being lowered that day, Clemmy and Francis had been best of friends. Now why do I tell you that story? Because Paul is talking about salvation. And for Paul, salvation is a restoration of things, a restoration of relationships. For Paul, salvation is about God restoring the relationship with his nation that he meant it to be in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, Adam and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Most Christians picture God coming down and taking a walk with Adam and Eve walking alongside them, enjoying company, one friend does to another. That was what God intended when he created humankind. He intended us to be in a deep, unchanging, unimaginable type of relationship with himself. But in that garden, the relationship changed. Sin happened. And the friendship that God had with Adam and Eve was damaged. The friendship as it was meant to be experienced changed when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And that choice not only affected them, but it affected every other human from then until today. Romans chapter 5 verse 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. The first half of verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. The first half of verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Adam's sin severed his friendship with God, and Adam's sin has been passed on to us. Therefore, our relationship, our friendship with God has also been damaged. It's been severed. Each and every one of our relationships. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We all have a breach in that friendship. Now today we're talking about salvation. So though we're, we're not trying to convict you of 
the severed relationship, though conviction should happen, what Paul is doing, he's writing about salvation and a restored relationship. He's writing about a return to friendship with God. That restoration happens as Paul so beautifully writes through the good news of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 10, and 11. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new or renewed relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Because of Christ, we can look forward once again to the walks of the cool of the day with our Savior, with our Father. Doesn't that sound great? Amen. Thank you. Who wants that type of relationship? Who wants that type of restored relationship with God? Thank you. I want it. Dorothy wants it. Good. So what do we have to do? What, what rules must we follow? Okay, what chants or incantations? Who, who can I talk to or who can I not talk to? What can I not eat? What can I not drink? What can I not watch? What do I have to do to be made right with God, to be put back into that right friendship with God? Paul is very clear. He says, you don't have to do anything. It just takes faith. Romans 4, 16. For the promised is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. Faith, belief, but not just faith or belief that there is a God. The book of James 2, 19 warns this. He says, you say you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So yes, faith makes us right with God, but more specifically, faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.22, for we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. But let's push this just a little bit further, okay? It's more than saying we have faith that Jesus lived. It's more than saying we have faith that Jesus was a, a good teacher, a wise man, or a prophet. More specifically than faith in just a historical Jesus, it's the faith that through Christ's redemptive work on the cross of Calvary, we can be made right with God. Romans 3, 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Romans 5, 9, and since we have been made right with God in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's punishment. Save us. Salvation, a restoration of how things were meant to be, a restoration of a truly life-giving relationship, a life-giving friendship. I realize Paul was writing this letter to a church in a specific time and in a specific place, but it still speaks to us today through the pages of Scripture. Romans 4, 23 through 25. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. 
I want you to take note of something. There's a lot of people who, in their relationship with Jesus, in this restoration of relationship, they believe in the and. A lot of people believe in the and. Okay? I'm restored in friendship with Jesus because I, because I, or with God, because I believe in Jesus and. Maybe you've seen that Coke Zero commercial where the the man behind the counter, the clerk, gives the little boy his ice cream cone, just a, a plain cone. Right? The boy looks at it, says, and? Clerk takes it back, puts sprinkle on it, hot fudge, a little cherry on top, gives it back to him, and the boy smiles. The next scene, you get the boss reaching over the counter, congratulating the applicant. You've received the job. And the applicant says, and? The boss looks at him and says, and stock options, a fancy car in a corner office. And the applicant smiles. The commercial continues in that same vein. Now, it's the same and that people attach to becoming made right with God. They think there's more to it than simply faith in Jesus' redemptive blood shed for us. Yes, we believe, and now what must we do to keep this relationship? Paul is very clear. We don't do anything. Romans 3, 27 and 28. Can we boast then? that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Salvation a restoration of friendship with God through faith in Jesus' blood and nothing else. Nothing else can make us right with God. There is no and. Wait, wait a minute. I want to change that. There is, there is an and, okay? Yes, we are made right only through faith in Jesus Christ, his blood on the cross, but there's an and. And salvation is available to everyone. And salvation is available to everyone. Listen to the ands that Paul writes in here. Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Romans 3, 29 and 30, after all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. There is the and. And salvation is available to everyone. Romans 5, 18, the second half, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Paul would say, for everyone who believes in Christ's righteous act, his blood on the cross. I reminded us a little earlier about God's walk in the garden on the cool of the day. Now, hopefully, whether you like to take walks or not, you're realizing that the picture we're talking about today is is one of pure and perfect relationship. It's one of utter closeness with God. In the summer times when it's light early in the morning, I like to take early morning rides on the Centennial Trail, and it's often that I see this uh, utter closeness in, in couples that walk along the trail, especially those early in the morning. 
There seems to be a lightness of foot. They've got their coffee in hand. They're, they're laughing. They're, they're talking. There's just two people simply enjoying each other's company. Now, perhaps this is a husband and wife, or perhaps it's just a couple of best friends like Clemmie and Francis. But they have something, something that's, that's tangible, yet something that's difficult to describe. Now, if I had to put a label on it, I'd say what they have visibly is the results of friendship. It's the results of friendship. When we are friends with God, when we have received the salvation that we've been exploring this morning, we too have results of friendship with God. What are those results? First, we can have a peace with God. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Peace, the ability to be with someone, with God, and have an utter calm, a quiet, a stillness, a tranquility, a, a serenity. The, the Old Testament calls this a shalom. We can share a shalom with God. A second result, we also get to share in God's glory. Romans 5 verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. If we stick with this analogy of walking the Centennial Trail in the morning, the glory may be the idea that while walking, we get to witness the majesty of birds flying, or hear rivers clapping for God, or look around and and sense the crispness in the air. Now multiply that times a gazillion, as my, my sons would say. And you get a, a taste of the sharing of the glory of God. A, a final result, though we could find probably many, many more, but a final result of being restored uh, and a restored friendship with God is that we get a new outlook on the challenges that life brings. Chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character develops our confident hope of what? Salvation. Our confident hope of salvation. That's a hope that as we walk the journey of life, the uphills, the downhills, the leg cramps, the slowing down due to age and journey, that we're going to be walking that with God. And a God that wants to be in relationship with us, a God that desires friendship with us. Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There's a worship song that's first verse says this. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me, it's amazing. And if you know the song, you know the chorus goes like this. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. First church, I want to be able to say that I'm a friend of God. 
I want to be able to say that I have walked the trail of life with him. I want to be able to have a snapshot of me and him holding hands, walking into forever. I want what Clemmie and Francis had, and I want it with God. And you know what? I believe that through Jesus Christ, I can have that today. I can have it now. And I believe that you guys can have that too. Paul talks about the good news of Christ being the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. This saving is salvation. It is a restored relationship with God. Back to how it was meant to be, us friends with God. Are you God's friends this morning? Have you entered into that relationship with him through faith in the atoning work of Christ on the cross? Do you know this for sure? You can leave this morning knowing for sure. You can leave confident that the hope we have will not lead to disappointment. You can leave knowing that you are a friend of God. I want to go to prayer. And I'd like us all to close our eyes and open our hearts. As we do, I want to ask boldly, With all our eyes closed, our heads bowed, has God pricked your heart today? Has he been calling you to be his friend? Maybe you've made this decision in the past, but you've wandered away from him. Maybe this relationship has been a bit wishy-washy, and you're feeling the need to fully commit to this renewed friendship with God. Maybe today is the first time you've heard and understood that you can be right with God. So if God has nudged you this morning, whether it's for the first time or whether it's to bring you back, I just simply ask that you raise your hand. I'm going to pray and, and then we're going to stand. We're going to sing one more song together. And if, and if God has pricked your heart today, if he's nudged you, if he said, hey, I, I want you to be my friend again, I want you to come to the back. I'll be in the prayer corner while we sing, and we can pray together. I'll either welcome you back or welcome you for the first time into a relationship with God. Lord Jesus, it is is just mind-blowing to think that we can call you friend and that you too can call us friend. Lord, in all the awe and majesty and might of who you are and in and, and the talk of judgment and severed relationships and, and, and your standards, God, I, I want to be able to just look at you in the eyes and say, that's my friend. I thank you that through Jesus Christ, you make that possible for each and every one of us that, that chooses to believe. God, I pray that this morning, if there have been people who, who you've been nudging, I pray that they would make that step and say, yes, I want to be your friend. Lord, may that relationship begin and may it grow. May those of us who have been in this friendship with you for years and years, may our relationship continue to grow as well. Lord, this message is one that needs to be heard over and over and over. Christ crucified means we can be friends with God. I thank you for that. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.